Welcome to the Word of Grace podcast. As a community, we exist to love on God with all that we are and to share His grace with everyone. If you want to connect with us more, head to social media or wordofgracechurch.com. Here's today's episode. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Romans today. The book of Romans. We've been talking about in a series called Transformed and what that all looks like to be transformed, what that looks like to be changed, what that looks like to be set apart, to be different uh, than culture would have us uh, be as believers. So I want to start off this morning. So um, anyone been lately on some sort of like a show on TV or something, kind of like a show kick where you watch it for a while, you could have watched it sometime, maybe you're binging something at the moment, anybody? Yeah, okay, the four honest people we have in here, yes. Um, So lately, it's kind of interesting to find something to watch on TV that kind of the whole family can kind of watch because we have younger daughters and so some things may not be necessarily bad, but not Uh, necessarily for their age. And so uh, one of the few things we've been watching a lot now is uh, Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer, because um, there's not really a whole lot there. And the girls seem to enjoy it. I have a six-year-old and nine-year-old daughter, and they seem to enjoy it a lot. And so we've been watching kind of uh, Caesar Milan and how he trains um, dogs and everything. And now it's getting to the point where, like, Emery, my six-year-old, is going up to our 12-year-old Maltipu, who's just kind of this old grumpy guy, like, Tebow, sit! And he's like doing all these things. She's trying to train him. It's like, Emery, he's 12. He can't, he can't have much training anymore. So she's on a kick now trying to train Tebow to do certain things and all uh, these other things. But one of the interesting things about um, all these problems that people have with their dogs, Caesar claims that there's no such thing as a bad dog, just the owners need a little work. And the owners need to focus. And everyone's looking at like their husbands and wives like, uh-huh. <laughs> We don't have a bad dog. You just need to work a little more on training our dog. Yes, so hopefully it doesn't cause any problems uh, around today or anything after service. But, and so all this is kind of wrapped in something. There's a main focus going on with every single owner and their dogs. And so Caesar comes in and he says, the number one thing you have to remember is you have to maintain a calm, controlled state of mind because the dogs can sense if you're scared or hyperactive or anxious or anything like that. I mean, nowadays, some dogs, our service dogs, can even tell if their owner's about to have like a seizure or something. They can actually get their medicine or they can lay next to them so they don't fall. Like, there's some crazy things that um, dogs can do. And so all this to say that all this is wrapped up in one thing. So they're like, Caesar, I need help. My dog likes to bite other dogs. He's like, it's all about you having a calm, controlled state of mind. No, 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 Caesar, my dog just starts barking all the time, doesn't want to do this. First things first, you have to start with a calm, controlled state of mind. And so all this is wrapped up in that main sentence is a calm, controlled state of mind. And here we see in Romans chapter 12, Paul has the same kind of idea going in how to live out this state of holiness as a believer, to be transformed, different than the world and the culture. But all this is wrapped up, all these things he talks about is all wrapped up in one central theme, and it is love. So imagine this, imagine this box that I have, and I have all these gifts inside this box The box is labeled love, but there are gifts inside. So we can do different things as believers and Christians. We can go out and we can tell people certain things or do certain things or act better, do better and all this. But all this has to be wrapped up in one main central theme, which is 
love. And so actually, if you look, I don't know, sometimes you have like subtitles in your um, chapters and things, but in a lot of the subtitles I looked at for Romans 12, it talks about love in action. That's kind of the theme, is love in action. So today, we're going to essentially dive in and pull out what Paul is saying here through the text. So Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 12 is what we're talking about today. Pastor Ryan, in the last couple weeks, has done a great job of just talking about how do we transform by the renewing of our mind? How do we transform as believers so that we are set apart? We have to look different. How many of you guys know that as Christians, as believers, we should look different than the world, right? So if your coworker surprised one day that you say, oh yeah, I go to church here, like, that should be a sign. Like, your coworker doesn't know you attend church. Your coworker doesn't know you're a believer. Start to say those sort of things because like Scott just mentioned, he would have no idea unless one of his coworkers started talking to him about that. And Scott even said he like made fun of him and, and all these other things. And now he's up on stage here telling you guys the same thing. You cannot tell me that the power of God is not in work at that moment for him speaking there. So Romans chapter 12, 9 through 12, here we go. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So we're going to kind of go through here with the different verses and kind of dissect them, dive in, see what we can find here in the text, and then live out. How do we live out? How do we apply what we learn? Today, So we start out with verse 9. It says, let love be sincere. Let love be sincere. Other versions um, that I read say, let love be genuine. Another version says, let love uh, be not hypocritical. Do you guys know the history of where the word hypocrite comes from? Uh, so the history, so um, watching theater back then was kind of a big thing. Um, especially in the 1800s, there wasn't a whole lot to do. And so a lot of people would go to shows, go to theater, go to different things. And people would actually put on a disguise with different masks. Uh, so maybe they'd put on a mask of someone, something they're trying to portray. They'd use a different accent. They'd speak a different language, um, whatever their character was. And then they would come off stage and return to their everyday life. So they would be one person throughout the streets, throughout the marketplace, walking by. You see, oh yeah, you know them and everything. And then when it was time to be on stage, they would grab their mask and they would put it on. I felt one of my daughters actually has this uh, Mario mask, so I thought, hey, um, why don't we try it out here? So this would be what a hypocrite would be, right? A disguise. And so it's me, Mario. You know, that'd be tight. Was that a pretty good Mario? Yes? Okay. I've been working on it. Thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, this is what a hypocrite would be at the time. And then as soon as they'd walk off stage, they'd take off the mask, and they would no longer be a hypocrite. They would no longer have a disguise. And so in a world today, can we as believers just say we don't need to conform to everything being fake, to having a filter, to wearing a mask, to posting things on social media that are only highlight reels, that don't show the big picture. Can you imagine? I, I follow some churches on social media, and I see they have like, oh yeah, look at this uh, record-breaking crowd and everything, and I'm happy for them and all that, but they don't, 
Essentially, not a lot of them, some do, but they don't show the pictures of the five or six gathered in the living room when the church starts. You know, or, or you don't show a lot of times, you're like, yeah, we got this um, great house, took a picture with it and everything, but they don't take a picture of the sacrifices it took to be able to live in that house. And so showing a commitment to others is very difficult when we are wearing a mask. Why? Because it is not true, sincere love. It cracks me up with, with uh, um, photos and things that people take, the amount of filters and things that have to be put in place. Can we just take a second and say, if I'm going to love as a believer, I don't need to have a mask on. I don't need to have a filter on. I just need to look within and say, hey, you know what? God lives in me. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I need to show love in a sincere way. That is what Paul is talking about here. He's telling us to live a life pleasing to God, embraced by love. You cannot call yourself a true follower of Jesus and not have love for others. Why? Because God is love. Now, what's interesting enough is uh, a lot of times people say, well, if I'm going to show love to someone, but I don't really like them a whole lot, isn't that being a hypocrite? Isn't that necessarily putting on the mask if I'm, if I'm saying, yeah, I'll help you with this, or yeah, let's go ahead and do this, but in the back of my mind, I'm going, you know what, uh, I don't really like this person. Some of us may think that's being a hypocrite. The problem with that is that a lot of times what Paul is meaning here having to do with love is this, uh, this no-nonsense type of Christianity. It's more about what we do and less about how we feel. Because today's day and age, it's chase feelings. However you're feeling this way, however you're feeling that way. You don't feel like going to work, don't go to work. You don't feel like working out, don't work out. You don't feel like eating healthy, don't eat. And everything has to do with feelings. But Paul is not talking about show sincere love based on how you feel. But just do it because that is what God is asking of us. And God is love. This is that no-nonsense type of Christian living. This is that holiness type of Christian living. This stuff that, this isn't your filet, where you take, anyone enjoy a good, a good steak? This isn't your filet, where you, you can slice it with a butter knife, and you eat it, and you're like, mmm, this, a couple bites, and you're good to go, nice and smooth. No, this is this skirt steak type of chewing, you know? The tough meat, the flank steak that's overcooked. So today we need to look at how are we going to digest this? How are we going to chew on this for a while? How are we going to process this? Because this is not just a light switch you flick on and go, okay, I'm going to start loving people. Let's go. Right out these doors, I'm just going to start loving people. No, this is a process. This is that holiness put into action. And so we have to look at sincere love here. Uh, Matthew 22, 37. Here's what this says here, is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And the second, like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So in Luke 10, a lawyer actually goes up to Jesus. And a lot of times the lawyers, the Pharisees, the people who knew the law well would go up and they'd go up to Jesus and try and stump him or trick him or get him to say things that they could use against him. And so a lawyer comes up to the, Jesus, knows the law, knows everything, very educated person. He goes, uh, how do I inherit 
eternal life, Jesus. Because, I mean, there can't be just one simple thing that Jesus is going to say, right? You can't just say one simple sentence, and that's how I inherit eternal life. So he's like, hey, Jesus, got a question for you. How do I inherit eternal life? <laughs> we got him now. And Jesus is like, actually, it's here. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And second, love your neighbor as yourself. Then the lawyer goes on to say, well, who is my neighbor then? And he wasn't necessarily asking this because he was concerned with all the people around him and who he should love, but he was more concerned about who he shouldn't have to love. See, a lot of times loving people that are easy to love is easy, right? People that have some sort of benefit to you, maybe they, uh, you know, they're nice with you, or maybe it's a coworker who helps you get bonuses or a boss. Or loving people's easy when they're easy to love. But how about the people that are just very difficult to love? And so Jesus goes on to tell the story here about the Good Samaritan. There's a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. And they go down, there's this Jew that's walking, and he gets robbed and beat up and left almost for dead. And then all of a sudden, a priest goes by, and he's like, oh, I don't know if I can handle this right now. A Levite goes by, the same thing, he's like, uh, beaten up person, I better get out of here, the robbers may come back for me. And then a Samaritan comes by, and what's interesting is the Samaritans and Jews did not get along. It was actually so bad that instead of walking through where the Samaritans were, they would take the longer way around to avoid the Samaritans. The Jews had nothing, wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans. Samaritans wanted nothing to do with the Jews. Well, look here comes along a Samaritan and walks by and helps this Jew. At this time, this is unheard of. So this isn't like Jesus telling a story. And then the guy's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Okay, I understand what I'm supposed to know. Instead, he's like, wait, did you just, a Samaritan helps a Jew? No, 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 you're, you're making, there's no way this could happen. There's no way this could happen. But the point Jesus is making is to love your neighbor, meaning showing compassion even to those you would not normally have any sort of relationship with. We are to show the world what genuine love looks like. Why? Because God sent his son to die for us, and that is genuine love. So how are we to show a genuine, sincere love? Here's another verse, 1 John 4, 7 through 12. We're going to read what this says too. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. It says, if we live one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. What does this mean? 
It means that if we can grasp what God is trying to show and how to love, we will want to leave things that turn us away from that, that don't show the love of God or help us perfect that, right? If you're trying to love God more, if you're trying to show God's love to others, you're going to want to step back or uh, step away from things that don't necessarily help that, right? Kind of like if you're trying to, maybe you're trying to get healthy and you decided in January, the beginning of the year, New Year's resolution, I'm going to try and get fit and healthy and everything. You don't just have a buffet of junk food sitting on the, uh, on the island and then you just walk up and see how close you can get to it, right? Or smelling it. You're like, mmm, pizza, mmm, all this junk food. You don't see how close you can get to it, do you? No. You try and stay away from that stuff if you're trying to get healthy. The same thing is if we're trying to show a genuine, sincere love to others, it means we got to step away from things that don't help us with that. Now, this isn't a way for, to get us as believers to do things to earn God's love. Instead, this is a way to communicate to believers that if we choose to follow, honor, and love God, he will begin and continue to work in our lives. So how do we know when we're growing? How do we know when we're, we're loving people better? We have this genuine love, this sincere love, this undisguised love. Love. How do we know when we're loving people more? How do we know when we're growing in our faith? Well, if we go back to Romans uh, chapter 12, it actually goes on to say, Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. In another version it says, Abhor to what is evil and cling to what is good. What does abhor mean? It means to hate. It means to stay away from. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind with me is wasps. I cannot stand wasps. Anything flying that has a stinger on it. Right? Anybody else? You're like, the worst job ever would be pest control. Anytime I see someone who deals with pest control, it makes me want to salute them. Because it, I, I just, wow, you are just, they have this glow about them because I cannot stand anything buzzing with a stinger on it. And, uh, uh, Social media is funny because you watch a video on something, then it starts to put in these algorithms. If you're wondering why you watched a, a, a video one time of a cat that stole someone's pie or something and ran away, then all of a sudden the next day you have 15 videos on cats stealing pies. Now you know why. Because it sets this algorithm and this formula that goes, oh, you like that video? Well, then you'll like these 15 videos of cats doing ridiculous things. And so unfortunately... I watched a video on this crazy dude doing pest control. And he's on TV, this, this guy, he cracks me up. And so I watched one video because I saw wasps. He was getting rid of wasps. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I got to watch this. Now, every day, more things pop up on my feed of pest control and extermination and getting rid of stuff. But all that to say, it says abhor or hate or run away from or flee. All that mixed into one. And I'll tell you what, I flee from wasps. I flee from anything. And this guy's going in, he's spraying stuff. He's like, whoa, and he's spraying everything, catching them all and all this stuff. I stay away from that stuff. 
Literally, one time I was in a, a van with another pastor at, a, a pre, at a, another church, and we would do the grocery shopping for the school, because they had a small Christian school in there. And one time we're driving, and all of a sudden I hear this really loud buzz. And I'm like, what is that? And then we both look at each other, and I turn around, and there's this, must have been the size of a giraffe. It was this massive, just killer I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I discovered the Japanese uh, wasp, the killer wasp, before someone else did. But it was, I mean, I felt the fan from its wings upon me. And it was just in the back of the van, and we both look at each other. We were, like, close to a parking lot. He speeds into the parking lot, hits it in park, and we both jump out. And we're just like, what do we do now? And so we're sitting there like, okay, if I open the door, then you shoo. If you open the door, I shoo. And we both look like a couple of babies. It was just, and we sat there 15 minutes trying to figure out how are we going to let, all we did was open the door, it flew out, and we were good. But I literally, I thought I saw the light for a moment right there with the wasp. But all that to say, we are to flee from things that are evil. Flee from things that are evil. And then it also says to cling to things that are good. You know what I think of when I think of cling is your child holding on to your leg as you're trying to walk away, right? You're trying to walk away like, Dad, no, and they hold your leg and they won't let go and you're having to drag them across the floor as they're holding on to your leg. It says stay away from, run away from hate, all this stuff from what is evil because that is not going to help you love others better. That will not help you to love others better. If you're involved in things that are not helping you to show the love of Jesus to others, it's saying this sincere love, this is a way of living. That's what Paul's telling us. He's like, this is a way of holiness. But if you're going to do anything and everything, it's got to be embraced by love. But run away from what is evil. Stay away from like a buzzing wasp, stay away from what's evil. I don't want any part of that. I'm running away from any part of that. And then it says to cling to what is good. Well, what is good? Cling to his word. Cling to his promises. At those times, maybe when you don't want to or you're feeling the weakest possible as a believer. You ever had those times you're just like run down like, Man, everything is attacking me at once. And you just kind of, maybe even you're just laying in bed or laying on the ground. You're just like, I am, like, what else can go wrong? What else can happen to me? And it's at those times that you need to cling to the promises of God. It's at those times you need to cling like a child clings to the leg of their father. Cling on to the leg of God if you have to. Don't let go. We hear the story of Jacob as he wrestled with the angel. And it said he didn't let go until he was blessed. Maybe you feel that, like that today. You're just like, I, I, I'm so weak and things have just been over, you know, going bad, bad, bad. Nothing good's ever happening. More bad, more bad. At that point, cling to what is good. Cling to God's word. Cling to the Father. Cling to speaking. Do you know that we have an opportunity to pray whenever we feel like it? And we don't have to go through anyone. We have direct access to God the Father. The creator of heaven, earth, the universe, 
We have direct access. We literally have a direct phone line to God. And how many times do we just take that for granted? Cling to what is good. Goes on to say a little bit about how we treat people. How we treat people says a lot about us, doesn't it? It says a lot about us. And in 1 John 4.20, it says something that's pretty interesting. It says you cannot hate people and love God. It says if you say that, you're a liar. Because it says, how are you going to hate people that you can see and love a God that you can't see? So it's impossible to hate others and love God. It says you're lying if you say you can do that. Some choice words right there, right? So what does it say? It says, honor one another. As we continue in Romans 12, it says, honor one another. Another version says, outdo one another in honor. Well, what does honor mean? Honor means to demonstrate high respect or great esteem for someone. By honoring someone, you see great value in them. Honor in the Bible also has to do with connecting, lifting up, elevating. We see throughout Scripture different words uh, that have honor in them. Honor your father and mother, one of the Ten Commandments. What does that mean? It means connect, lift them up, honoring them. We look at the story of the prodigal son. If many of you don't know this son, he wants all his wealth from his father all at once so he can splurge it. All his dad's life savings, the part that goes to him, he wants to take that and just run off and blow it all. Well, it says in the Bible that he was dishonoring to his father. What does that mean? It means he was not lifting him up. He was trying to tear him down. He was not trying to connect with him. He was trying to stay away and disconnect from his father. He wanted to be on his own. And in the end, spoiler alert, he comes back and his father greets him with open arms. And what a great story that is. What a great example in showing that no matter how far off you've gone, all you have to do is turn around and God is right there waiting for you. You can come back. You can come back. And so we look at honor here in the Bible. Now, in the Bible, it's interesting because it doesn't say outdo one another very often, right? It doesn't say, hey, I want you to be in competition with someone else in doing this. Most of the time, it's the first shall be last. And uh, I did not come to uh, be served, but to serve. And so we're always looking at, so in the Bible here is very interesting, this word outdo. Interestingly enough, in the Olympics, anybody a fan of the Olympics? In the Olympics, people try to outdo each other to receive honor, right? They try to get gold, silver, bronze. I never understand when it's like, oh, they just got bronze. Like, you're the top three in the world. Bronze is not bad, right? And so in the Olympics, there's competitions and people try to outdo one another so that they can then receive honor on the platform. You are gold, you are silver, you are bronze. And it's interesting here that the translation for this outdo with that would mean to go before, to show the way, to lead in this way and in the way for others. Well, what does that mean? It means everywhere we go, we should be honoring people. We should be honoring people as we go through the grocery store. 
Preach it, Pastor CJ. That was a good one. Thank you. Oh, man. You know how I survive going grocery shopping now? I have to put a podcast in that has something to do with Christianity or the Bible or a pastor preaching or something because I just... Anybody else? I just can't. Just, just going through and... Just, oh, man. I get home and I just tell Stace, I'm like, oh, how was grocery shopping? It was another day of grocery shopping. People who have no sense of direction and, no, and people don't care about all this. And so, you know how I combat that? Is I cling to what is good, right? I put a podcast in. Hey, it's really difficult to get angry with someone when there's something talking about the Bible or worship music in your ear. So if you got some problems with driving and you got some problems with just road rage, it's very difficult to cuss someone out when you got the worship music going. Right? Try it. Try it. Things that make you angry, put on some worship music. I guarantee you'll be like, are you serious? Waymaker, miracle work. And go through like that. I keep trying out for the worship band, but Melissa keeps denying me. (laughs) So we talk about honoring at work, at the gym, at the airport. Oh boy, now you're going too far, CJ. Settle down now. I mean, the airport's another crazy one, but our everyday lives, how are we honoring others? How are we lifting others up? How are we connecting? Does every time someone see you, they go, oh, here we go, get ready to be talked down to. Maybe you're a boss of a company. Maybe you're a leader somewhere. Honor those around you. It's very interesting that we want to honor people that are around us, I think, I think most people want other people to succeed. I think they really do. I think if you ask someone like, do you want your coworkers to succeed? Yes. But a lot of times the problem is they don't want them to succeed more than you do. Right? So you're working with some people and you're honoring someone. They, they begin to be better than you. We see the story of David and Saul. And how Saul gets jealous because David's just like, yeah, he's partying in the streets. Everyone's like, yeah, David, taking down the thousands and ten thousands. And Saul's like, what? You didn't say that cheer for me. That's not a cheer you made up for me. And so we see jealousy comes into play. So honor is very interesting because we always want to honor people, but not above us. We want you to succeed, but not more than me. So you stay where you're at. I don't want to honor you so much that you begin to think you're better than me or anything like that. And we don't talk much about honor, do we? Because it's like, ah, you don't really use that in your everyday language. Like, hey, when was the last time you honored someone? We don't really say things like that. But Paul is talking about here, he says, honor those around you. Outdo in honoring. What does that mean? It means be the leader and say, hey, you want to honor someone? I'm going to honor them more than you. Oh, wait, who's honoring them over there? I got to get over there, honor them more than you do. Literally, outdoing each other. Perfect example today, we had the men's breakfast. On your way out today, find someone who helped with the men's breakfast in some way and say, hey, you know what? I just want to say thank you. Thank you for getting here early. Thank you for getting here and cooking so that the men could enjoy a word from God to feed their souls and feed their bellies. Say thank you to someone. Honor someone. At the grocery store, someone could be having the worst day as a worker. And you could go in there and you could either honor them or make their day even worse. 
We have that power. Isn't that strange? We have the power to make someone's day better or worse. Have you ever thought about that? Like we could be the reason someone goes home and complains to their husband or wife. Isn't that sad? Like we have that power. Or you go to a restaurant after church and you're sitting there and and you are just the worst customer and the waitress is just going, man, this person made me have a bad day. We have that power. But what if we make it a goal in our lives to outdo one another in honor, in our workplaces, in our families, outdo one another in honor? Oh, you're going to honor people? I'm going to outdo you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to honor you so much. Right? And so we get to this point where he's saying, honor those people. Show, 1 Peter 2.17 says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. What is that saying? It's saying honor people as if they are royalty. You know what honor does to someone? It shows that you value them. You value them. You know how much value God sees in each and every one of us? Do you guys know that we are special in God's eyes? That we are God's pride and joy? What is God's pride and joy? People. People. You are special to God. And when we devalue each other, that says something about us. But what if we make it a commitment to say, I see the value in you because God sees value in you. And because of that, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to honor you. So as we close today, I'm going to leave you with a couple of action items, things that how can we apply this to our everyday life? Number one, we must learn to love above all else. The more you realize how much God loves you, the better understanding you'll have in loving others. The power of words. Do you understand the power we have, what we say to others? Very interesting how the power of the tongue, it says in the Bible, it can set forest fires. It can move a ship. I mean, the power of our words can make a huge difference in people's lives. And interestingly enough, when we have God living inside of us, if you've made a commitment to follow Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives in us, we have a job to do. And we have an opportunity to speak life into others. You ever had some time where uh, maybe a, a message that someone spoke at some time in the years or, or certain sermons that you just remember and you always remember? And you're like, man, that was just, that was a great sermon. A lot of times we think it was that person that spoke those words. But no, actually it was God speaking through that person. So whether you believe in God or not, I bet you at some point in your life, God has spoken to you through somebody else. See, what's so powerful about conversation with people is that when we start to speak to people and we start to speak life and words into them, And prior, we ask God, we ask the Holy Spirit, give me the words to say. And you speak into someone's life, they're like, wow, that really like impacted me. That wasn't that person's words. That was God speaking to you 
from them. You literally heard the voice of God through someone speaking to you. How powerful is that? I don't know about you, but I want to be someone that when I'm speaking to someone and I've asked God, give me the words to say that, that is literally God speaking through me and God speaking to you. How important, how awesome would that be to talk to someone like someone talked to Scott about the word of God, where Scott can then talk to others. And before Scott talks to someone, he says, God, I don't even know what I'm going to say, but give me the words to say. And he starts speaking life and truth and honoring people. And then they're like, wow, something's, something's different about this guy. What, what's different about him? Because in a world of today, love is not a priority. In a world of today, honor is not a priority, is it? No, it's demeaning. See how fast we can get on our computers or phones or anything and just comment on stuff and, and say all these things. But how about we make a decision that we're not going to be like the rest of the world. We're going to be counterculture. We're going to be transformed. And how are we transformed is by love. So next time you have an important conversation with someone, before you go and talk to them, say, God, give me the words to say, and he will. Give me wisdom in this situation, what I need to say. And God will speak through you and use you as a vessel. How awesome would that be that someone made a decision to follow Jesus because God spoke through you and used you as a vessel for others? Our words, our words are just our words. But when the power of God is behind them, anything's possible. But they, our words can also be debilitating to someone. Our words can also tear someone down. Let's make it a decision in our lives to love above all else. Number two today, as the band starts to make its way to the stage, number two, today, as we understand this love, we'll continue to change. We will learn more and more how to hate evil and cling to what is good. So we're not just called to love people, but we're also called in this kind of transformation, kind of transforming, or we're changing little by little. We have to make a decision that we're going to run away from that stuff that's evil. We're going to run away from that stuff that's not good for us. Now, I'm not saying run away from the world, because in the world full of darkness, how's there going to be light unless we run towards it? We need to run towards the world. We can't be scared of the world. We are light. And darkness has no power over light. So if we're going to make a decision to follow Jesus and transform our lives, we need to start running towards the world. Yes, but run away from that stuff that's evil. Run away. Stay away from that stuff. Act like it's a wasp with a stinger and it's going to get you. That stuff will sting you. I'm not saying you can't recover from that, but... Try and stay away from that stuff. Cling to what is good, especially in those times when you're down and out for the count. Cling to what is good. And third, and finally, honor everyone regardless of their social standing or what they believe in. Honor everyone. Honor those who think politically different than you. Honor those who have a different belief system than you do. Connect and raise up and elevate those who you may not like very much. Man, some tough stuff. 
That's why I said this isn't the simple filet where you can take a couple of bites. It's smooth and a couple of chews and it's like butter. No, this is that tough meat that you got to chew on for a while. And you got to digest for a while and you have to process for a while like, ugh, this meat is just so tough. But in the end, I guarantee that if we all made a decision here to honor those outside of these four church walls, if we made a decision to connect and elevate those who we did not like very much, to connect and elevate those wherever we go, that we would be known at our jobs, at our workplaces, wherever we go on a regular basis, that we're going to elevate those around us. Even those we like, even those we don't like, but show value in people. Love people. Why? Because God loved us so much, he sent his son to die for us, his only son. God couldn't, he didn't have to do anything else the rest of his life, the rest of the time being. God didn't have to do anything else, and he still would have done enough for us by sending his son to die for our sin. Honor people, whatever they follow, whatever they're doing, whatever they're sharing, honor everyone. Elevate them. Outdo one another in honor. This is what Romans 12 is saying with transformation. If we do these things with an eye towards heaven and an eye towards earth, we have an opportunity to bring heaven down to earth. We have an opportunity to show what it's going to be like in heaven where we're constantly honoring and following God and, and there's no pain, there's no suffering and we're just worshiping God and we're all gathered together bringing a little bit of heaven down to earth. What would that look like if you started to honor people in your workplace? To love people sincerely, not hypocritically, but sincere love for people because God loves us. Maybe we pray that God would give us spiritual lenses or glasses to put on so that we would then be able to see people the way God sees people. Love God and love people. Seems like an easy commandment to inherit eternal life, right? But even the lawyer at that time was like, ugh, love people, who should I love? Jesus gives the example, even those you hate. You don't have to like everybody, but you do have to love everybody. What would it look like if we just loved people? If every head bowed and every eye closed, and we're going to close out in prayer, but before we do, I always want to ask, and we have some prayer team members that are going to be able to move towards the sides, and we'll have some time if you want to pray or need prayer for something. We have people that are going to be all along the sides, and you can ask them or tell them what you need prayer for, and they would be more than happy to pray for you. But at this time, maybe you're sitting here today, you're like, you know what, I've never made a decision to follow this Jesus that you're talking about before. I've never made it a decision to ask him to become part of my life, to come into my life, to begin to mold me and, and, and make me a, a better person. We don't talk about doing good things so God loves us more. God already loves us. But when you notice and see his love, his sincere, true love, and we begin to experience that as well, we want to actually 
grow closer to him. We see how much he loved us. It's going to drive us to love other people. It's going to drive us to help to forgive other people. But maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, you know what? I have never in my life made that decision to follow Jesus before. Maybe today's the day. And maybe as the music begins to play, you step out out of your seat and you go find someone that's going to be praying for you and, and they're going to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. It's not a magical prayer or anything. You don't say some magical prayer and then boom. No, but it's just the beginning of a relationship between you and God. It's just the start. It's the start to be able to live life to the fullest the way God has called us to live it. You may be alive, but without God, you're not living. And maybe today's the first step you take in saying, you know what, I want to live a life that's full. It says Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. To live out the calling he's put on your life. So maybe that's you today for the very first time. You want to make a decision to follow Jesus. I encourage you, as the music plays, go and find someone and pray with them. I'll also be up front here too. Come and talk to me. But don't leave here today without making a decision to say, I want to start a relationship between me and God. And maybe today you're saying, Pastor CJ, I need prayer to love people more. I need prayer to honor people more. That's something I struggle with. Maybe today's the day you do that. Maybe you just need to sit there and say, God, what do I need to work on in my life to love people more? To love people sincerely. Not with a disguise on, but to literally love people. And to elevate and connect with people. To raise them up. To raise up their value. Why? Because God sees value in them. And he sees value in you. So we're going to close out today with a couple songs. We'll have the prayer team on the sides. If you need prayer today, come and find someone. And uh, let's worship together. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps others find this content. If you want to connect with us, head over to social media or go to wordofgracechurch.com.